Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, Parade First Team All-American Rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you today? Man, I am doing the best. We just, we just all ate crystals, so I'm sure we'll all be headed to the bathroom here in about 15 minutes. Uh, we have had a. You have to do what you have to do eight. when you're doing eight podcasts in a day. Absolutely. To get lunch. Absolutely. I'm one of those guys. If I miss lunch, mm-hmm. the rest of the day is just yeah. not good for me. Right. Right. You know, yesterday I passed up lunch thinking that we would be through around three o'clock, and I think I walked into our favorite Mexican restaurant down the street about six yep. o'clock last night and finally got something to eat. Well, so it was. We actually had a podcast cancel yesterday at the end of the day, so it would have been even longer. Absolutely, guys! I'm excited about our show today. I've got a guest on here that means a lot to me, probably more to me than he knows. And um, I am uh, excited about the topic today because 2020, I want to cover a lot of material that we haven't talked about in a hundred episodes of different podcasts that we've done. And I'm humbled and blessed to have him on here today. You know, there are a handful of men and women that when I think about the Webster's Dictionary uh, definition of a real insurance agent, you know, what a real insurance agent is, this guy falls into that category. You know, if I can be half of the insurance agent that he's been during the course of his career, I will have felt very proud of myself by the time this thing all, all shakes out for me. But without further ado... I want to introduce our guest today. He was born and raised and currently resides in Florence, Alabama. He is married to the beautiful Lisa Cochran, and they have two children, Carly and Kyle. He is a 1981 graduate of the University of Alabama, where he studied insurance, commerce, and business administration. He began his career with Nationwide Insurance on August the 4th, 1984, and he has been an agency owner since that time. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor to introduce today my friend and one of the best insurance agents that I've ever had the pleasure of getting to know. I give to you the incomparable Mr. Bill Cochran. How are you, Bill? I'm doing fine, Scott. Where do I send the check for that nice introduction? <laughs> well, you don't you don't have to send a check and, and I, I'm gonna say some things here on air that we talked about the other day off air, but when I joined Nationwide in July of 2010, I can count on one hand the number of agents that really, really I felt like wanted me to succeed and were, were, were the kind of people that would pull me aside and have conversations with me after meetings and things like that. And you were one of those guys, and I've always been very appreciative of that, and I've been thankful for that. And I want to say that on air uh, one of the smartest guys I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Your take on things is always very rational and reasonable. And also, and this is why I led with this on the show, you're one of the most respected insurance agents in your community that I've ever met. I have never met anybody from Florence, Alabama that doesn't say anything but nice things about you. And with, well, thank you. Which probably why that you're 
you know, uh, retention ratio is about a hundred percent. I know you, you've always, always enjoyed an extremely high retention ratio because of your, your kindness, your presence in the community. You know, you've been there your whole life. So, you know, a lot of people there and, uh, people really respect you. And I, I that means a lot to me. And I don't know, you just, when I think of great insurance agents, I've ever had the pleasure of getting to know you were, you were up there in the top top 1% obviously but today guys we're going to talk a little bit about something that Bill taught me in a class probably eight seven eight years ago in Huntsville Alabama and it's something that's always stuck with me and it's something I wanted to share with our listening audience of both captive agents and independent agents we're going to talk a little bit about the insurance cycle and you know a lot of times Bill agents get pissed off when four or five years into it and they've been selling a lot of insurance and all of a sudden the company takes rate you know they they wake up one morning and they get an email that we're going to raise rates 10 percent 12 percent 15 percent whatever it is and i just wanted to talk to insurance agents today with you because you're so knowledgeable about this particular topic kind of that that insurance cycle and how that all works so I'm going to shut up and listen, but just talk to our audience a little bit today about, you know, how that starts and and then kind of how that cycle ends, if you will. Okay. Well, the first time that it was introduced to me would probably have been 1979, 1980, in one of my insurance classes with uh, Dr. John Bickley at the University of Alabama. And at the time, it it was good information, but uh, the most important thing was that it just that it helped me get through the test, you know, get through mm. the exam, right? And really, you know, really didn't live it, right, um, right, right. Once you get into the insurance business, um, I find it interesting that, you know, it's it's where we live, it's where we mm. play, it's what we do mm. in the insurance world, and the insurance cycle or the um, underwriting cycle, as it may be referred to, is it helps you realize where you are, mm-hmm. uh, helps you realize not. Not just where you are, it also helps you realize where you're going or what's right. coming next. Right, right. <laughs> and um, so so those are things that, that I found to be useful in that it, it helped me maybe make decisions uh, about my agency operation a little bit down the road, uh, what, what I was going to be doing. And I will you know, get into a little bit more detail about it, but um, I don't think uh, I don't think in 35 years I've ever... I don't think I've ever used anything about the insurance cycle to to close a sale or anything. Right. <laughs> and I don't think I don't think you'll hear it come up too often in a sales presentation. Mm-hmm. But it is it can be beneficial mm-hmm. um, when it comes to agency management. Sure. But anyway, you know, kind of backing up. In general, um, what the insurance cycle is about is the the characteristics of the insurance industry and the insurance marketplace as it moves from a soft market to a hard market mm-hmm. and then back to a soft market again. Right. And all points in between. If you can envision a watch or a clock, the face of a clock, there's a lot of different ways you can break it down, but it was um, initially broken down to me in, in four different terms. And, and it, it just kind of gets you a visual picture of it. If, um, you know, kind of go with, again with the clock concept mm. at the 12 o'clock, position you write down the word profit and at the three o'clock position write down the word growth at six o'clock losses and at nine o'clock position underwriting Uh uh 
So, say, do, and do, me a, hey, Bill, do me a favor and do uh-huh. say, say that all one more time. I want to write this down while we're talking. And insurance sure. agents, uh, I know we've got somewhere between twenty five and fifty thousand insurance agents that are listening to this right now. I'm going to encourage all of you to do what I'm doing right now and write this shit down because what we're giving right now is a master's class on this. So go back. We're, we're looking at it like the face of a clock. Go ahead and go from there face again. Face of a clock. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a 12 o'clock position. Uh, write the word profit at 3 o'clock growth, 6 o'clock losses, and at 9 o'clock underwriting. Mm-hmm. And and for, for other reference, too, I mean, there's a lot of information out there on on the web about the insurance cycle or the underwriting cycle. And they'll, they'll have different or similar terminology, or like I said, they may have more, but there's a lot of diagrams that uh, will help, you know, kind of explain what it's about. Mm -hmm. But, um, but basically, so when you, when you look at the underwriting cycle on, on paper, what it's telling you is that when a company or when the industry is, um, in a high profit position, Mm -hmm it positions themselves for the next phase, which is growth. Mm-hmm. And then when you go into the growth stage and, and we'll touch on some of the characteristics of each stage in a little bit, but um, when you go into the growth stage, the growth stage um, has a tendency to lead to increased losses. Mm-hmm. And then, so as you move toward that stage, when the companies uh, or the industry starts realizing that, um, that losses have crept up or moved up, then it returns you back to an underwriting mm-hmm. stage mm-hmm. where you enact different programs to try to return you to profit. Mm-hmm. And then once you're back to profit, your position for growth, and here we go again. Right. Um, and that's the, yes, the cycle. Mm-hmm. But the other thing about the cycle, too, is, you know, while you may be in a, in, a, in a position of profit, moving toward a period of growth, it may move in a counterclock position, too. You depending on what the activities are within a specific company or, mm-hmm. uh, or in a specific market, you, you may see something return backwards. You, mm-hmm. you know, you, you could um, see that for a little while before it progresses in a, in a clockwise fashion again. Is, um, is that usually, is that particular scenario where you're at the 12 o'clock position and, and profit and, what I've noticed, and correct me if I'm wrong, is when I hear companies talking about working on profitability, that is a code term for we're going to take rate, right? I mean, is that pretty much? Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. that's part of that's part of what you see in that phase mm-hmm. between the underwriting portion of the cycle and the profit mm-hmm. is you usually see rate increases, mm-hmm. um, uh, some other actions that mm-hmm. again we'll touch on in a minute. But, right. Uh, but yeah, that's. Rate increase is usually something that has led to that. Mm-hmm. Is it a little bit of an anomaly to see a company go from, quote unquote, the profit phase back towards underwriting in that counterclockwise motion? Is that a little bit of an anomaly or is it usually that clockwise motion? I don't know that I can that I could address that from a factual standpoint because I can't think of ever can't think of being in a situation where, I'm ne- where I've lived in that moment. Mm-hmm. I have. I have. And this is a term. You're probably familiar with Scott um, the term profitable growth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you ever you ever heard that before? Oh yeah. oh yeah. And that is a phase where I think I have lived in that, mm-hmm. where as as a company was moving uh, toward a growth attitude or position, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then they couldn't let go and just really grow, and they would always hang on to things that were 
a little bit on the underwriting side, mm-hmm. trying to maintain their profitable position. Mm-hmm. I used to say those were contradictory terms because mm-hmm. profit and growth don't go together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in general, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of times on grow on growth, um, well, you, you again, you have probably heard before that, you know, as they analyze where losses are coming from, mm-hmm. new green business in a portfolio has, has a tendency to have a higher loss ratio mm-hmm. than seasoned existing business in a portfolio. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to grow, you're probably going to be a little happier and less surprised if you expect losses, mm-hmm. because in the insurance cycle, that's what's coming after the period of growth is right. increased losses. And kind of opposite of what you were talking about on uh, on the profit side of, of having um, rate increases mm-hmm. somewhere between that growth and and moving toward the loss position out there you you see rate decreases mm-hmm. and maybe maybe even to the point of being underpriced to mm-hmm. try to get business on the book so you can you know raise that rate up as you move back to the underwriting side of it right absolutely absolutely what 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 I've always found to be the case and and this is why I wanted to talk to these agents about this I don't think it's something a lot of agents think about as their uh, writing business. And, you know, we all want to do the happy dance in our office when either we, the company that we write business, a lot of business through takes a rate decrease or we, we've got the lowest rate in our community and we are just writing the hell out of insurance. And you can kind of see this insurance cycle in your agency with different carriers, you can you can kind of see like, uh, you know, uh, you know, if I'm Bradley Flowers and I'm writing a bunch of business through a company like Safeco, let's say for instance, and I'm just throwing that name out there, and you're just writing a ton of business, get ready because you you are somewhere on the continuum. You are in this this insurance cycle, so for a period of time, and you can kind of go through that with us, Bill. I don't know if you know any any statistics of how long that growth phase happens, but you may have the best rate with that particular company. And then at some point in time, the losses are going to start adding up. And now we're starting up the clock towards underwriting. And the first thing I notice when we come out of that growth phase is you'll go to write a piece of business and the underwriter will be like, well, we're going to need this and we're going to need that. We got to have this and that that's not going to work. And you start seeing what I call that hardening of underwriting going on. Right. Is that correct? That's correct. That's yeah. correct. And, uh, and you may, you make a good point there, you know, right now, I would say at least from the agency experiences here, mm-hmm. you know, we're in a growth cycle. Right. And most carriers are. Right. And, um, uh, so you know, what's coming next. And, mm-hmm. but you, the point that I thought you made that was good was, the time frame. Mm-hmm. Now, over the past 35 years, it always seems like, and, and this just, you know, kind of arbitrary, but it seems like if you spend three years in the underwriting, mm-hmm. underwriting part of it, mm-hmm. you spend one and a half years in the growth. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it seems that way anyway. It, it does, yes, yes. <laughs> it, it seems like you spend more time battling underwriting projects mm-hmm. so that they be, can become more profitable than you do in in the growth segment of mm-hmm. it, um, mm-hmm. and, and again, that seems like if I charted it on a calendar, maybe that's not. But but yeah, then and the couple of ways of looking at it too is you can look at the cycle as it relates to the industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, I can kind of if you pretend that there's only one insurance company and it is called the insurance industry. Mm-hmm. What's 
what's its trends, what's its losses, what's its investment return, what you know, so forth. But you can look at the industry as a whole. You can say, you know, what is it in my territory, in my mm-hmm. state? Mm-hmm. What's the What part of the cycle is the market in in the state of Alabama right. versus you know the state of uh, North Carolina? Mm-hmm. And and then within a specific company, mm-hmm. where is the company in its in its underwriting cycle? Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then maybe try to ask the question: Is it in step with the industry, or is it out of step with mm-hmm. the industry? Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by there is 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 the market in your in your state in your territory in the industry generally in a underwriting part of the cycle, mm-hmm. trying to return to profit, but your company that you're right, your main company or two is in a growth cycle. Mm-hmm. Is it out of step? Mm-hmm. Not long after I got in the business in the late '80s. Um, I found ourselves. We found ourselves in in a very big growth cycle, mm-hmm. at least in commercial mm-hmm. insurance in our state, in our region. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was company wide. But we found ourselves in a very big growth mark uh, growth market, mm-hmm. and the rest of the industry was tightening up. Mm-hmm. And we were not as reactionary to that, so we were out of step. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun for <laughs> about bet. 1985 to. 1987, I right. think April of that year, uh, it was a lot of fun. And, it, and being a relatively new agency at right. the time, it really made things good. But then April of 87 rolled around and we were hit with the moratorium. Right. Right. No more. We've right. got to figure out what we have. And, uh, and just as an example, you know, I remember, I don't remember an exact number, but in our three state region of, uh, which at the time was Georgia, Florida, and Alabama, on May the 1st of that year, they had between fifteen and 20,000 new business applications that had been submitted since the 1st of that year mm-hmm. that had not even been looked at yet. Wow. Business bound on the book, money collected, but not completed through the underwriting cycle. Mm-hmm. It was that kind of, it was that kind of growth. And they just had to put the brakes on and, and shut us down basically for almost the rest of the year. And then when we came out of that, we were... We were moving rapidly, mm-hmm. moving rapidly into the underwriting portion of the cycle. And, uh, you know, th- and that portion, I mean, I kind of go in and open the door and get into that portion, you know, rates start to rise, mm-hmm. risk selection processes tightened up, mm-hmm. uh, activities to make business more profitably increase, whether it's, you know, checking driving records, mm-hmm. checking the business classification codes to see which ones are more profitable or less profitable. So you're getting new business rejected or guidelines changing to say it's not eligible anymore. And you're getting accounts non-renewed, sometimes not because of any any fault of their own. They're just in a class code that uh, they deem less profitable. Mm-hmm. So they're going to get it off the books. Mm-hmm. It's not, as you know, it's not a lot of fun when you get into that part of it. Right. And that was probably mm-hmm. the most significant time that I could ever say. Mm-hmm. I'm in this part of the underwriting cycle, and it's very it's very real. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's because it's in the tight side. Things like I said, I already said, things are a lot more fun when you're in the growth side. Mm-hmm. But but you do get through it. But but when you're there and you you get the feedback from the companies, from your carriers of you know when things are getting more profitable, you know, hey, a better day's coming to write more business. Right. Uh, of course, sometimes now, especially now when they close off a company mm-hmm. um, and start writing in a new company with certain types of products, that helps you get a lower rate without seeing your entire portfolio get a lower rate mm-hmm. instead of just 
everything across the board having a rate reduction only the new company tends to and and the rest of your portfolio doesn't decline as much by rate decrease mm-hmm. uh, which helps maintain income not just for the companies but for your agency as well but good source of, in, of information out there too Scott is mm-hmm. um, the uh, insurance information Institute mm-hmm. uh, they've got good online site for the best benefit of it you do you know sign up for membership um, I've had the benefit of hearing some presentations from their representatives at um, I-Day each fall at the University of Alabama, and and it's some really good information about what's going on in the industry, what's, what the trend has been, what the expectation is for the next you know three, four, five-year period ahead of us. Mm-hmm. They also have information about what's going on in the economy mm-hmm. and how it impacts our business our marketplace it's it's a good source for information especially if you like to look ahead or just again or have an idea of where hey this is where we are this is where we're going what do i need to be doing right you know one thing bill i've noticed about companies companies it doesn't matter what company it is but the more outside the box that leadership gets relative to when you're in that growth phase if you take rate that's just unbelievably lower than everybody else and you are just riding like every single thing known to mankind in that particular segment that they want to be in, then then the harder things get when you do go back over into that profitability phase. So if you're, like you said earlier, if you're riding a bunch of insurance with a particular carrier and it seems like your bind ratio is like 95%, you've got the lowest rate of anybody in the free world. When that clock, when you go through the losses and then back up into underwriting and profitability, that rate increase is so much more dramatic. Does well, that make sense? It could be, or, or the underwriting action mm-hmm. is more yeah. dramatic, right. or both. Right, right, right. Or both. It, it's kind of like I heard a, a property investor one time, multifamily property investor, 300 plus units mm-hmm. per deal, um, say that having too high of an occupancy rate mm-hmm. is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be 100% occupied because that basically says that his rent's not high enough. Right. Just like you don't want to be 70% occupied, you you have to find that happy medium. And exactly. I think the same thing is is true with insurance. Right. You know, I would re- honestly rather write somebody a policy with a moderately ro- low rate than mm. a ridiculously low mm-hmm. rate for a lot of reasons. One being that we don't have to handle the increase the next year. Right. And two, I make more money. Right. And of course, you get pressure. You know, every every company gets pressure from a competitor who is maybe able or willing to go just a little bit lower right. mm-hmm. in that growth type. But but I, I would also, I mean, you're, you're relating, you know, what's it going to be like when you have to start getting your rate caught up or uh, change your underwriting criteria. I would also throw out there the consideration. Fortunately, we don't see this happen too often, but it does happen. And that is when the rate has been too low and the losses have been too high, it's the decision from the company instead of instead of uh, increasing the rate and taking underwriting actions to return to profit, they choose to pull out of the state. Mm. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. or they choose to you know thing I mentioned earlier, they choose maybe to go to a moratorium, things to slow mm. business down. They, in our state, we saw a little bit of that from a 
from some some carriers after the uh, tornado outbreak in 2011. Mm -hmm. Uh, They did things to slow down the influx of new business. Some carriers dumped a lot of business. Mm -hmm. But uh, over, again, over a period of time, and, and usually it's your smaller, more regional carriers, but you will see a carrier, uh, whether it just be an auto carrier or non-standard auto. Sometimes it is a multi-line carrier. I can think of one here just in the last few years in our state. Um, they just make the decision that there's no there's no time for action. They're just pulling out of the state and, wow. and getting off all their exposures. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the ultimate bad ending mm-hmm. for or being too low of a rate and being too aggressive mm-hmm. in your growth cycle. Mm-hmm. Or it could also be the result of just not having good underwriting practices when you're in that part of the cycle. That's right. Just me, me thinking out loud, you may not find that in a textbook or anything. Right. You know, one thing I find interesting, and one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast with you, is this cycle of insurance that we're discussing we, we talk on this podcast a lot, Bill, about technology and innovations and and uh, automating your agency and the newest, latest, greatest, uh, you know, insure tech technology that's out there that you can use in your agency. But one thing I find very interesting about this particular topic is this this cycle of insurance, insurance cycle or underwriting cycle, whatever you want to call it. This thing is it never stops. This it's always going to be there, and every company right. is is somewhere on this clock. They are somewhere on this clock right now, and for that's right, and forever, this is always going to be part of the equation for insurance agents. and And I think this podcast and the reason th- that it resonated with me so much is somehow in my mind, I thought, you know, no matter what happens in the insurance industry, whatever company I represent. We're going to always be somewhere on this on this continuum on this on this circle, and uh, that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast today to talk about it. Because maybe next time, an insurance agent out there that's listening to this either has a great rate or they're going through a period where it doesn't seem like they can write anything because underwriting won't let them. It's solely due to this insurance cycle that we're talking about right now. That's right. It's it's the machine that yep. we that we work in. Yep. It is in motion. Yep. And uh and and you're part of the machine. I mean, it, there's no avoiding it. Right. You're you're on that grid somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh as as a company, as an industry, and as an agency. Right. Uh, you know, to a degree, uh, but but you're you're part of it and it is in motion. It's real and it's mm-hmm. not going to go anywhere either. Right. I will say I will say this while while I've always used it from the perspective of running an agency and just having awareness of of where you are Mm. and where you are as a company and where you go and what's next Mm. when you go it's been a while but when you go on the internet and and look at the insurance cycle there is a lot of information there that is designed to help an individual understand what's going on as they shop and make selection on their own personal insurance Mm -hmm. i don't think a lot of people would go that far Mm-mm. to do it, but there is there is a lot of information from a consumer perspective mm-hmm. and the insurance cycle. Uh, but I've, you know, like I said obviously I've always looked at it from the perspective of an agency. Well, and and you you know the thing the 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 sad thing about it is the consumer that the client the prospect that we're talking to 
well, let's just go back. Client, the client that you're talking to who did not have a claim during, let's say, for the state of Alabama during the 2011 tornado outbreak, in their mind, when you speak to them a year later and the rate goes up, the first thing they say to you is, well, hell, I don't care if y'all paid out $3 billion in claims. I didn't have a claim. That's why you buy insurance. Right. That, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's, but, but again, I mean, that gets off into another right. channel about the whole insurance mechanism where many people pay in a little bit to pay for the large losses that only a few have by proportion. Now, the insurance cycle might come up in a sales presentation if you're selling to an economics professor over at the university. <laughs> right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you where I think it could be helpful is in planning from an agency perspective, especially for captive agents where they're looking to possibly, they're thinking about maybe hiring a new producer or, or something like that. <laughs> exactly. If they, can exactly. if they can figure out where they are in that insurance cycle, it makes that decision that much easier on whether they should or should not hire somebody based on the fact, you know, if I'd had, if I was working for, let's say, Allstate or State Farm or Farmers, I mean, Nationwide's kind of out of play now because they're all going independent. But if I if I'd been, you know, been in that growth cycle for a couple of years and we'd just been writing the hell out of insurance, well, you know what's coming. You know what's coming. Mm-hmm. And and oh, yes. don't don't go out and hire three new brand new personal lines producers when yep. you're six months away from going back into the underwriting uh the underwriting phase of the insurance cycle. So one question I had and I'll let you go, Bill. I know you need to get to get off and get back to work, but how long, uh, typically when a company goes into growth cycle, and you've been doing this a long time, how long do they typically stay in there? Or is there a standard number of years or months that they stay in that growth? I, I would say right now, I, I have experienced what I would call a growth, part of the growth cycle for probably the longest period of time. Mm-hmm. In, in my in my history, seems like before, and of course, before I'm speaking more as an exclusive captive agent, mm-hmm. um, where you don't have as many viable alternatives as you do now, but still, for all carriers that we represent right now, um, I would say three. You know, we've been at three years. Things right. like, well, you don't have you don't have to take photos. You don't mm-hmm. have to submit photos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just you know, they're not they're not checking things on your renewal book mm-hmm. when they come up for renewal like they like they do during during the uh loss portion or mm-hmm. uh, or the underwriting portion mm-hmm. those things have been gone now or, or have been lightened up on a, you know dwelling or commercial building inspections ordered after you know mm-hmm. the business is issued those have diminished to almost nothing right and and even on renewal business it's like maybe one out of 50 mm-hmm. uh but anyway you see that that's been it seemed like that's been uh, on a sliding scale down, going away uh, for three about three years now, mm-hmm. which kind of makes me think: Are we getting close to getting out of the fun part of the cycle mm-hmm. and heading back into the underwriting? But I'm not really qualified to, you know, make a projection on that. I guess because a lot of it's going to be tied, I'm sure, to economic conditions as sure, well. Sure. Which, based on some of that, I would. This may be one of the longer periods that uh, that I've been in for for carriers to be 
acting like they want to write business. Mm-hmm. And because uh, it's, like I said, I would say it's been going at least three or four years, and I don't feel like the end is in sight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Used to seem like it. Used to seem like for every every three years that we were in a underwriting to kind of more of a hard market. For every three or four years there, you spent a year and a half mm-hmm. in a growth, and then you were back on the other side. Or they never let go. While they tried to write more business, they never let go of the underwriting projects that made it harder to write business mm-hmm. or harder to renew business. Right. right. And, uh, and they seem to be letting go of that a little bit more now. Well, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you coming on the show today. Guys, listen to me. The next time you either have an unbelievable rate and you're running around the office doing the happy dance every day because you're writing 60 policies a, a month and or the the underwriter starts on a niche business that you're doing asking for things they've never asked before, you will know now where you are in this cycle. And you are always going to be in this cycle. There's never going to be a time when you're not somewhere in this cycle And uh, I think for independent agents, it's probably a little easier because you will have multiple choices uh, and places you can take that business. But then again, you're churning business and you're playing defense just to keep what you got and you're moving business around all the time. So that's that's another factor to play into this. But I think our audience today now, Bill, will understand uh, a lot better about the insurance cycle, the underwriting cycle. And hopefully, uh, moving forward, it will answer questions when they start throwing stuff around the office because they just took, you know, 15% rate increase on a line of business that they've been writing the hell out of for the past two or three years. So, yeah, I, I would, I would, uh, I would encourage them to, uh, I mean, this is not going to answer a lot of questions, maybe just open the door, but if they're not familiar with it, I would encourage them to spend a little time, go online and, and do a little research about the cycle, right? And and see how that it can help them as they as they manage their agency and, and move forward. Mm-hmm. I, I I tell you something else you can do too, and you and I have experienced this, uh, you more so than me. But you can start listening and looking at emails that you've got coming out from different carriers and the verbiage that they're using in those emails. <laughs> That st- start saying stuff about profitability and underwriting and growth and losses and those types of things. And you can literally just pick and choose the words that they're using and kind of tell where they are in that insurance cycle. Would you agree with that? I sure would. Uh, and to broaden that a little bit, uh, if you watch their television commercials or listen to their radio commercials, if they start talking about things that are of service and benefit versus cost and savings mm-hmm. get ready here it comes right 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 <laughs> when they quit when they quit talking rate that means they're not going to want to talk rate exactly <laughs> and uh they, they want to start talking about things that would make you want to stay with it uh, with the company stay right. with an agency right so uh yeah you might you might be tipped off through their email communications but also their commercials yeah. to the public right right well bill thank you so much for being on the show today guys like i always tell you get your ass out from behind that desk today and go out into the big bad world and sell insurance make money for your family for your wife for your husband for your kids for your parents that are struggling out there write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Bill. Bill Cochran, I, I love you too, brother. All right, Scott. Hey, I appreciate 
uh, talking with y'all. No problem. Guys, Bradley, you, have yeah. a good one. Yes, sir. You too. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.